0: Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Devush Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 5 Assassination Order Grand Vizier Arshon drummed his fingers on the armrest of his imposing chair, with its high, regally arched back and sumptuous silk drapes that was most definitely not, as he would tell the people who asked, a throne. His robes were equally regal, and the plum-sized jewels on his fingers would have been the pride of many a princess. The room he sat at the end of had exquisite Parthian rugs, Laid down its length, and pools of sunlight spilled from the open windows that afforded a clear view of a splendid garden and blue skies beyond. The trill of bird song and murmurs of a babbling stream drifted in on a gentle wind, carrying the perfume of jasmine and honeysuckle. The grand vizier was attended by three similarly if not quite so extravagantly dressed men who were tugging on their beards in a shared agitation at the grand vizier's annoyance. They were quietly shuffling away from him as discreetly as they could, jostling gently to get out of arm's reach should his temper boil over into one of his characteristic rages. Flanking his attendants were several guards, armour breastplates gleaming, and who were also taking small steps away. What exactly did I tell you to do if the Sultan gave an order that countermanded one of my standing instructions? The Grand Vizier sat erect in his chair, stroking his neatly trimmed and pointed beard, his head inclined to one side as he regarded with feline curiosity a shaking, pale-faced man standing in front of him. The pale-faced man trembled and his pudgy fingers fiddled with a fur trim on his gloves. That we should tell the Sultan his orders would be carried out immediately and then to come and determine that you were satisfied that we should do it? Your memory is most excellently accurate. No, no. Tell me, what did you actually do? The pale man's palpitations grew, sweat trickling down his face until he was shaking and twitching so violently that he slumped to his knees. I obeyed his order, Excellency. The Grand Vizier leaned forward in his seat and extended a long nailed finger towards the quailing man. Take him away and have him killed in an entertaining fashion. Take detailed notes. When you return, there will be a test to see how well you performed. Two guards dragged the screaming and crying man down the carpeted walkway and from the room. His wailing could be heard even as they took him from the room and away to meet his fate. Uh, Minister of Justice? A fat man in blue robes, with his hair tied back in a woven red band, bowed deeply. The Grand Vizier, who leaned forward to whisper in his ear, Are you confident we now control the army and the city guard? Indeed, our authority has been secure for a number of months. The last loyalists all met with unfortunate accidents. We stand at your disposal for uh, any advancement of your um, uh, intentions. All, of course, save the 1,000. Their allegiances never waver, and they will need to be dealt with when the time comes. As anticipated, Arshan placed a hand on the Minister of Justice's arm and drew him closer. He spoke very softly, and the Minister of Justice strained to make out the words, I want a message taken to our contact in the Thieves' Guild, at once excellency. Provide a fat purse of gold for the execution of the Ambassador of Nineveh. Have our contact disclose only enough information to locate the target. Let's not have someone getting suspicious about political motives and getting clever, shall we? Ah, Excellency, won't that rather annoy Nineveh when they find out? I do believe the ambassador is a nephew or a grandson or, or something of the caliph. It is his nephew, correct, and that is entirely the point. When our dear sultan takes the blame you will tell our contact that the exsanguination is to be carried out in as messy a manner as possible do i make myself clear like a mountain stream excellency i'll leave immediately one last thing the sultan's elite guards must not see you coming or going they must know nothing of my intentions. I will be as a shadow melting at dawn, Excellency. The Minister of Justice turned and swept out of the room. Minister of Foreign Relations? A short chubby man with a square-cut beard, laced with ribbons, presented himself with a flourish. Your Grace? Write a letter at once to your counterpart in the camp of Nineveh that attends the emperor's palace. Request his utmost discretion, but warn him you have private fears for your own security in the city. Make references to increasingly erratic decisions by the sultan, whom you fear is becoming slowly unhinged. Beg him to keep the information secret. I understand completely, Your Grace. Gossip is the mother tongue in Babylon. It will spread like wildfire. Send the message by your most trusted courier and advise him that his wife and children will be kept at the palace during his absence. For their security, of course. Impress upon him the urgency and the secrecy of his mission. I shall leave him with a graphically detailed understanding of the gravity and potentially fatal consequences of his responsibilities, Your Grace. Delivering another bow, the Minister of Foreign Relations then turned and marched out. Minister of Information? Excellency, a soberly dressed hunchbacked man with black silk gloves, and a long trailing moustache scuttled in front of the Grand Vizier and bobbed his head curtly. Guards, leave us and close the doors. The Grand Vizier waited until the room had been cleared before gesturing to the cushions beside his ornate chair. The hunchback nodded with a thin smile and seated himself. Tell me, spy master. This incident in the sultan's gardens last night, does it not seem an extremely arduous burglary for such a paltry hole? In the extreme excellency, for a man of that skill, it would be expected that many fat merchants in the city below would have been targets of a far easier ease. My inquisitive nature suggests a deeper plot you think him an agent of Nineveh? Was he transmitting some secret message to the jewel? I intuit two alternatives, Excellency. The unique nature of the feat suggests an outsider, someone new to the game. The first option is that the robbery was a cover for some Nineveh-sponsored manoeuvring the latest intelligence I have on the disposition of the forces of Nineveh is also troubling. Their troops have recently completed a campaign for the Emperor and mere days ago were released from his service. Although they have not begun to move towards Ur, they cannot be more than a week from us, should they turn in this direction. This actor of uh, <clears throat> extreme unction may have been a spy who even now rides to mobilise their forces. We are prepared for such an outcome? What is the other? Your Excellency, the intrusion was faultlessly executed, the 1,000 penetrated like mist and the escape most daring and original. If he is not an agent of Nineveh, might I suggest that this individual... Deserves further scrutiny. If suitably amenable to the changing of his employer, he would prove to be a most useful agent. The Grand Vizier leant back in his chair, reclining his head against the padded silk and stroking his beard. Ere you dight and devious as ever, spy master. Qualities that make you my most trusted lieutenant. Very well. Find and detain this man. Bring him to me unharmed. I will determine if he can be put to use, and if not, I will kill him. A wild card loose at a time like this would be extremely undesirable. My plans must continue undisturbed. The Minister of Information nodded, his gaze deferentially downcast. The Grand Vizier's eyes narrowed sharply. And what of our defences? If one man could breach them so easily, what chance ten more, or a hundred? The spymaster fidgeted and coughed again. Examining his route, I think not one man in a thousand has the skill, and not one man in a million has the courage. Nonetheless, as I never like to leave things to chance. We've been lowering workmen on ropes over the sides of the palace and pouring grease and oil onto the rock face. When that is completed, ropes pierced through with blades and glass will be strung over the walls. Finally, the guards, who have grown lax from presupposing that no attack were possible unless it came from the stairway with great fanfare, have been reminded by this incident to look outwards as well as inwards during their patrols. If someone were to attempt the climb again, they could not do it quickly and surely they would be spotted and taken down with arrows. What then of the nobles? Are any of the houses using this as an opportunity to undermine the Sultan? Unless they have managed to place any new spies, I am currently unaware of, I believe the matter is not wildly known. The elite guard, as you can imagine, are mortified by what has happened, and are not speaking openly about it. Did you wish me to uh, make the matter more widely known? The Grand Vizier stroked his beard, then waved the idea away. Not for now. There are enough variables in play as it is, without bringing those meddlers into it. Have they been up to anything interesting recently? A young cousin of House Nasru fell mysteriously from a bridge a few days ago, and this morning one of Baron Orodi's bastard daughters killed a steward of House Herbal in a jewel. Just the usual bickering then, hmm, anything else?' The Minister of Information shook his head, that is all I have to report. Very well, go about your business, I have an audience with that fool of a boy, the Sultan. The two men walked from the room, nodded heads towards each other and then parted ways. The Grand Vizier breathed slowly and deeply through his nose as he navigated the corridors of the palace and across the patchwork of pleasure gardens. He stroked his forehead and jaws and coaxed out an engaging smile with a pleasant crease to his cheek. He entered another garden, chamomile, crushed fragrantly beneath every step as he approached an ornate pavilion with mosaic walls of red and gold. Ivory-masked and mulberry-backed quail rustled under variegated bushes cooing and chirping. A white lioness was chained to one side, lying in the shade, and her slitted yellow orbs followed the vizier as he passed. On the veranda surrounding the pavilion, under a red and white striped silk awning with gold tasseled thread falling from its edges, was a long golden divan with gold stitched red cushions. A puffy young man with the bushy brown beard was reclining, dressed in long gold and pink robes. The marching turban pinned with a large round ruby. His eyes were bleary and bloodshot, and his and a long stem golden goblet trailed from his fingers. the last drops of a white wine spilling out as his head lolled back and forth, following the movement of two dancing girls. From behind a discreet-painted silk screen came the melodies of tunefully plucked harp-strings. The girls with skin of burnished amber were dressed in a diaphanous silk, their lithe, naked bodies visible as sinuous outlines of their movements. They twisted and gyrated and stroked each other alluringly, all the time singing a haunting melody. The Sultan slurred a cheer of approval and dropped his goblet on the ground as he clapped his chubby hands together in excitement. One of the girls giggled and ran over to the Sultan, scooping up his goblet from the floor and filling it from a jeweled silver pitcher before returning it to his hand and stroking his arm in encouragement as he swigged it, splashing his cheeks and chin with a clear liquid and then wiping his face clean with his sleeve. The grand vizier bowed deeply before the sultan, and the other dancing girl spun slowly to a stop, her voice trailing away on the last few notes of her song. Then she joined her sister, kneeling in front of the sultan's divan, their fluttering dark lashes and sweet smiles fixed on their master. The plucking from behind the silk screen trailed off, The sultan took another sip of wine and stroked the hair of one of the maidens, absent-mindedly, as his attention fixed dully upon the vizier. Your Majesty, the rising of the sun is not my morning, but the first time I am graced to lay my eyes upon your splendour. The sultan blinked slowly and smacked his lips together as he focused on his visitor, a floppy smile forming on his face. Arshon, my loyal friend, what news this fine day? Grave news I'm afraid to report, Majesty. Your agents in Nineveh warn that the armies are being summoned and even now generals call for war in the courts. The treacherous dogs seem bent on violence, despite your generous gift of peace, and they speak wicked lies about your royal personage. The sultan's eyebrows scrunched up and his beard bristled. He cast the goblet clattering to the veranda floor and a squealing dancing girl scurried off to retrieve it. They insult me? Dogs, all of them. Do they not understand it is the jewel's birthday and mere days and that our marriage will finally unite the cities peacefully? They are weak-minded and have short memories, sire. But the divisive among them say that Delani is too fine a prize for you, and that she should be returned by force and married off to a more suitable native of their own city. And what say you, Arshon? What counsel do you preach, my childhood adviser? The Grand Vizier smiled and preened the point of his beard. You have grown so wise, Majesty, And have the wisdom of one many years your senior. I can provide little counsel for you these days, save but to agree with your fine logic that if you marry the girl, peace must come to the cities. I agree wholeheartedly with your suggestion that your strong leadership in this matter will terrify the craven generals of Nineveh, and you will assume the position of masterful husband in the marriage of our cities. Your wife would bend to your command out of respect and of love. The sultan snorted, his eyelids batting closed, then open again as he shook his head in annoyance. Impudent sons of Nineveh, do they not understand that I don't have the warlike ambitions of my father, rest his soul? He who was taken from us all too early? I seek only peace. Well, they will learn soon enough to be my friend or my enemy, even if I cannot trust them now. Nineveh can never be trusted, Majesty, only mastered. The Sultan gaped a grin. The jewel, however, Arshon. She is indeed a prize worth winning. Delani is worth half my kingdom to me. The most beautiful girl in the world. It is only fitting that she will be my bride. Quite so, Majesty. Tales of your greatness already circulate the grove. Mithridates, king of the greatest city in the world, and soon to be the most fortunate husband in the world. The Sultan's head had fallen back against the padded silk of the divan, and he had started to snore softly. A trickle of drool at the corner of his mouth dampening the edge of his beard. The Grand Vizier began to bow, but seeing the Sultan's heavy lids, he corrected himself and stopped away. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Divush Basiti and Vigto Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.